Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show of a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Nick Hinton, and he's publishing a book very soon. The title of his new book is The New World Disorder and the Totalitarian Takeover of the Reality Invaders. So look forward to its publication. It's very close to publication. Today is January 27th, 2023. And we talked uh, earlier about a month ago about his an earlier book, The Saturn Time Cube, uh, Cube Simulation. So I will put a link to that earlier interview if you'd like to see that. I read through this book, very interesting, fascinating, tons of synchronicities and things that I'd never seen connected before, a lot of information. So he's, he's done his homework for sure, but uh, I'm glad to have him back. So Nick Hinton, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. Happy to be so here. For Awesome. So for people who may not have heard our last show, I know that you kind of made a name for yourself doing a lot of work on Twitter, uh, you know, threads. Can you kind of talk about your research arc and then what led you up to putting together this new book, The New World Disorder? Yeah, so I think I kind of touched on my story in our last podcast, but basically um, I was kind of just like a straight edge person, very no nonsense an atheist and very scientific um, throughout high school until one of my friends showed me my first conspiracy video. And like before that, I, you know, I was very scientific, but I always had three questions. You know, I was always confused about why is there money? Why is there war? And why is there government? Because if we're so smart and advanced, why are we using this broken system? And that just never made sense to me until watching this video about the Denver airport and being introduced to the Illuminati. And, you know, then it all made sense. It was about control and it was being, you know, it was all by design that way. <clears throat> and um, so that was, you know, like I was like 15 or 16 when I started getting into this stuff. Um, and then I kind of took a break for a while after high school. I just, you know, was landscaping, working a regular job. Um, but then I realized I didn't want to break my back my whole life for a low wage. And I was like, I want to do something with my mind for my job. So I decided to get myself into college. I studied philosophy for three years. And during that time, I started writing essays about the things that I had learned a while back because, you know, it was just kind of a fun hobby. And then I started posting them online and they started going viral. And then that's kind of how my first two books were created. Um, but then I started like, I kind of decided that um, a real philosopher should either live by his philosophy or die by it. I think Nietzsche said that. Um, and he really did seem to die by his philosophy because he went insane. But um, <laughs> at the time, I was obsessed with the idea of like magic, high strangeness, um, chaos, you know, how it brings in synchronicities into your life when you do things um, spontaneously. And, you know, that's the idea behind it. So I was like, OK, I want to live by my philosophy and kind of enjoy what I've discovered. And, um, you know, all the opportunities are coming my way. So. I took a break from writing after releasing the second book and just started traveling around the country for like two years, really. And um, during that time, I was invited to all sorts of crazy places to meet some crazy people, interesting people. And um, I got to see UFOs <laughs> at this one property. Um, I uh, was also before, like during the time that I was writing my second book, I was also working on an app called Randonautica, which uses chaos, uh, quantum chaos, I guess you could say, to 
generate completely random locations that you then travel to and you're supposed to experience something synchronistic synchronistic when you get there and so i was kind of like traveling around the country meeting people that you know i'd met through my books online and experimenting with this app and just doing all sorts of crazy stuff and um it was through these like weird experiences that i started to see things for what they actually were and that it was not such a fun thing i realized i was kind of the fool on his journey um and yeah that's an archetype i no longer resonate with because um it's a cult in nature and i think it has something to do with um initiating people and i think i was unwittingly being introduced to um the mysteries um which you know i was seeking them but i didn't realize what it actually entailed um seems like a kind of counterfeit initiation, if that makes sense. And I think if you read through the book, you'll probably understand that. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, you're, you're kind of curious about learning these things and then you get in, you go, there's a, there's a subtext. There's a more sinister subtext underneath all these people's world, you know, worldviews. Sometimes you don't see it initially. You just see them as researchers. Like Mm -hmm. I've uncovered the stones of so many, um, alternate researchers and going oh there's an occultist there's an occultist one of the people you mentioned is adam parfrey that's right there in your first chapter i just Mm -hmm. thought he was a book publisher then i came across him uh in a process ritual talk um, process church of the final judgment ritual and talking with process member number three who was uh uh, wiley um who i covered in my book children of the beast but then i was like these guys are flat out occultists they are Died in the wool occultist. Have you yeah. ever seen that picture of Parfrey in the process um, process meeting? I haven't seen that one, but I've seen that's him dressed cool. up in like occult robes and stuff. Yeah, that's um, in your book. Yeah, yeah. And um, look at this yes. picture right here. If you look at the top left, third from the far left is Parfrey. Jeez. And that's uh, Genesis P. Orge too, there on the bottom right. Yeah, so I, yeah, I connected them together. I didn't realize they were that close though. So, but yeah, so what I realized through a lot of these, you know, looking into the stories of different researchers is like the people that were actually really onto it did not live very long or live a very enjoyable life. And the people that were making tons of money and living comfy, happy lives, they were kind of being used as tools for the revelation of the method. Right. Right. And um, in the book, I try and like figure out what that's really about, because it seems to be like some sort of weird um way to like um begin the apocalypse i guess you know that's the great unveiling it seems like that has to happen and they're doing it on purpose for that reason right wasn't that one of parfrey's books was it apocalyptic culture or apocalypse culture or something like that if i remember i think that was his Excuse magazine oh, okay that was a magazine i think yeah no, i mean if you look at his suite of books that he put together they're all, all kind of uh headed in that direction yeah Apocalypse, yeah. revealing then, the apocalypse. And then that, uh, who's that? I forget who it was exactly, but someone was talking about that Adam Parfrey's death was, um, you know, very, had a, was very interestingly timed. You know, there was a bunch of uh, people in his circle that all seemed to die around the same time. All people that were talking about cryptids and occult symbolism and more supposed truthers, right? Right. He, Coleman it was, and he called it the great die-off or something like that. It was a synchromystic event. Wow. Yeah, and Parfrey died young. He was only like 61 or 62. These days, that's young. 
Mm -hmm. But there's this book, Apocalypse Culture. I guess it's a. Oh yeah, it is a book. Okay, it's a compendium of other of other articles, if, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so yeah, no, just like what you said, these guys are much more interested in getting to that part. Oh, there it is. So then, yeah, I guess it is a two part series. Interesting. Right, but I mean, they're all. It's like a culture there, right? So they're all together. Robert mm -hmm. Anton Wilson, Parfrey, Jim Keith, Go Rightly, um, Hoffman, and then Downard is the kind of uh, guy who the glue, all of them, yeah, the glue yeah. or whatever, the basis. Mm -hmm. Hoffman calls Downward his kind of a mentor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, so in the book, I talk about how Downard's, you know synchromistic adventures around the country um seem to be a retelling of the orphic mysteries you know he like lived that hero's journey you know he was chasing around his lost lover his wife uh, or ex-wife who he believed was possessed by babylon so in a sense he was traveling into the psychological underworld you know to find his lost lover the same thing that orpheus does and in the process figures out the so-called secrets of the gods right and he's going through this like synchronistic and insane maze of reality um, in the process. And so I think that's what is happening to a lot of people right now. And that's why I call the book, the new world disorder, because when you open your mind up to these things and you start following the white rabbit, you end up in the, you know, the synchronistic maddening wonderland of your own mind. And, you know, you feel you're really on the right track to finding something, but it's kind of like, um, like Tracy Twyman said that these beings kind of lay esoteric breadcrumbs to lead you right into the witch's lair, kind of like Hansel and Gretel. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I do. Like it can be that, that journey can take you there. Can yes. take you there. It can take you to the end of the river and you can meet Kurtz like the heart of darkness and say the horror, the horror. When you look at all the stuff, like a lot of these kind of modern ghost stories or, uh, conspiracy culture leads to like the end is like some somebody gets assassinated or murdered or mysteriously died or mm -hmm. the journey the person on the journey dies right jim right. Keith and some of these other characters then you kind of like yeah i was gonna you, ask your yeah. sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say you kind of end up at the end of the river like apocalypse yeah. now you end up there um i was gonna ask your opinion on jim keith because he felt like to me, he felt like one of the people that was really onto it, but he was connected to all these people. But I mean, you know, people could say probably the same thing about me or you. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people in the conspiracy culture, so it's so hard to really know for sure, you know, who is genuine, who is who is being prodded around. But that's, you know, why I kind of talk about this disorder, because I don't think you even need handlers nowadays. I think you can actually be handled by just the information being fed to you through the AI. Yes. Or like, or like a spiritual handler. Like I think that this, you know, the same way artists say, oh, I was like possessed by this idea. I couldn't stop working. I couldn't, you know, until I put pen to paper and, and release this idea. And um, yeah, so I think you can be prodded around by spiritual forces, synchronicities, AI. You can algorithms. be led along. Yeah, you could be led along by some of these people. On you could be led astray by Alex Jones. I'll even go out and say that. Just because mm -hmm. of the fact of what he's doing, is trying to, in my opinion, um, bring you back for the next show. So you could just be on the hamster wheel of listening to him and getting some kind of like fight or flight rush day after day after day without really getting to the end. You know, so mm -hmm. I think that 
I've heard, I mean, I've been on that uh, hamster wheel myself back in the day. I'm fortunately a little more seasoned, but there's definitely some of these guys in the occult who uh, may not be as interested in giving people edification, like something where people can learn and go on to the next. I, I won't, I mean, I could say Peter Lavenda is probably one of those two. I, I think he's a flat out OTO member occultist. So anything he's involved in is a very questionable. I mean, if you want, and he, he covers a lot of space. He's done the kind of ripoff book of my book, in my opinion, uh, that one called The Most Dangerous Book in the World. He did all the UFO stuff with uh, the guy from the band. What's his name? DeLong, Tom DeLong. He's been around. So, I mean, so he's, in some ways, he's giving you some of that culture, but not, I think that the character edification isn't there. So he's mm -hmm. kind of giving you those breadcrumbs or the candy leading into the kind of, uh, you know, witch's den. Luciferian labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 my opinion for sure. I think he's one of those. Some I don't. Some I think are people who are genuinely curious. I think Jim Keith was one of those. I think mm -hmm. it was before his time. If I remember, his books were published. He's one of the early, um, what was it? He went out to the desert in, in Nevada. What's that place called? Burning Man. I think he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burning Man. That's where he hurt his leg, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, he sure. supposedly even told his friend after, um, you know, getting hurt at Burning Man, he's like, if they take me to the hospital, like, I don't think I'm coming out alive. And then, um, yeah, he was only going to get like a simple procedure on his knee and it somehow ca uh, caused a blood clot that killed him and then um people think it was caused by this chemical and snake venom the same chemical he was writing about um in in one of his books about a cia warehouse storing all this stuff and then like his publisher also died the same way from food poisoning but it was the same chemical i forget the exact name Claustra, uh, I don't, I'm not even going to try and say it because I don't want to get it. I don't want to butcher it. Right. But I mean, I think that your story, your personal story, their story, the story of people who go into the esoteric journey, like they either come back out, they go to the end of the river and travel back out mm -hmm. or they stay there or, you know, there's many different outcomes. Like mm -hmm. I, I think of like some of these shooters or whatever, they mm -hmm. got in and got manipulated. So right. it is like a chapel perilous. Yeah, so I think exactly. like Crimo, Crimo, he had all the smiley faces. He had all the weird symbolism. He knew the words straight out of Manson. There's no well, yeah, future. You know the, there's no past. Yeah. You know, the Buffalo shooter was um, writing a manifesto. It, like the Buffalo shooter from 2022, he was writing a manifesto about the murder cube, which is this giant black cube made of guns. It's like a real art installation. And he was... Uh, listening to this guy named the Sandman on 4chan, and um, he also yeah, had, like, an FBI handler manipulating Peyton him. Peyton Gendron. Mm -hmm. Right, so, see this yeah, weird thing. So he was in the, he was in the dark, the sticks, or whatever. He was in the river. His end was a disaster. He probably got mm -hmm. MK'd in some kind of, in my opinion, MK'd in some kind of weird, manipulated way. Yeah, and he well, drove, I like, 400 miles to shoot up that that particular store isn't that that's, weird yeah that's like, no why sense. wouldn't you just go you know wherever you had some gripe or something I don't know. right like, yeah and i give me a bad ham, ham, hamburger there i'm gonna go shoot that up i think uh chapel perilous um that is mk ultra you know if you get yourself into that synchronistic rabbit hole and you 
you end up at Chapel Perilous, like I think that is the place where you can be MK Ultra. I mean, Robert Anton Wilson said the only way to escape it was to become mystically agnostic where you just don't believe in anything, but everything at the same time. And that to me just sounds like a kind of weird disassociated state. Um, right. He so, also said some curious things too about his research because he was in it, but he came out as an OTO occultist. Right. Um, but I right. think that he said that if you don't know you're initiated when you do this, you've already been initiated. Exactly. So in some way, yeah. people who've journeyed through this thing, like I've done it for way too long, like we're there whether we like it or not. After mm -hmm. you've absorbed so many of the you know books and concepts and just things like knowing about Twilight Language or Fortean or all these words, it's yeah. like that's not, that's not your standard uh going out and talking at a bar like you right. will only find fellow schizoed out people <laughs> to talk to there's a lot more than you would think they don't really share that much but other people they would just look at you like you had a third head or four right. heads or whatever like a hydra so it, well, you are kind of an initiate whether you like it or not i would right. say i would be i think a person would be it. yeah i mean the whole point of understanding the symbols you know in the initiation process is um to literally change your perception of the world. You live in a totally different place once that happens. And the whole world kind of becomes a chapel perilous. You know, you're noticing the symbols and the numbers on every single street sign and advertisement. You know, you're not in the same reality anymore. Um, but yeah. Um, but th this guys, you've seen, these are things in your book. You're seeing this people who've done that. Downard was definitely one of them who went through that. Hoffman for sure. Yeah, and I think Richard Spence, who we were talking about before we were on air, um, I think he was the guy who said that Downard had a hand in creating um, some kind of technology that was eventually used for psychotronic weapons, and like it's almost as if he had his own mind scrambled by his own invention. Wow. See, I'd never heard that part of him. Like, I didn't know that there was some kind of 900-page manifesto from him as well. Like, it mm -hmm. seems like a standard thing is to have an unpublished manifesto or something. Right. Like once you get done, like, and he was the inventor of what, King Kill 33. And he, mm -hmm. I mean, he did your journey just like you did. Like, mm -hmm. There's things between you and him going to the psychogeography and figuring out. There is a psychogeography of the United States. There's yeah. no, absolutely yeah. no question about that. Well, that was the thing that freaked me out about finding Downard is because it just became like it felt like it was almost fed to me. Like he became so relevant in my life. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about downward. Everyone's talking about receiving the serious tapes in my circle of podcaster friends. Um, and it was all, as soon as I got home from my journey in August um, of 2022 and you know, that was serious season. There was just so many synchronicities going on. And when I read about him, I was like, dude, this is what happened to me. And that's why I became obsessed with him. Wow, interesting. At least yeah. for a bit, you know. I... And there's a, the kind of Downwardian labyrinth you talk about, right? Yeah, All yeah. these different strange places. Um, and play in the, the elevator symbology that's all over. Or going down, you know. Even the name Downward, Downward and Downward are very strange, similar uh, names. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Yeah, going the... downward into the abyss. Yeah, right. Like, like it is strange that he has that, like people say is that he is he a fake is he mm -hmm, a past mm -hmm. i don't know yeah either his life yeah either his life is 
I don't know. Maybe he just wasn't immune to Twilight language the same way kind of everyone in this world is, you know, like he was born for that role, maybe. And that elevator is like a thing. If you ever watch the movie Angel Heart, which is literally about a guy's journey to discover he was in an occult ritual where he gave up his life and meets Satan. The end, it's all elevators. He's going up in elevators, going down in elevators. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that symbolism is there. Watch Angel Heart. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I think they deliberately use that uh, symbology at the very end, like he was headed to hell at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the Orphic stuff. I mean, there's all these cities. I mean, I've I've heard of these places. Like, I've heard West Virginia is totally haunted. It's haunted by old spirits and old ruins. And same with Kentucky. Like, these, some of these old states are full of like, oddball things yeah so kentucky has the uh kentucky anomaly right and i have only heard about it through penny royal and i tried to do my own research on it i ended up finding screenshots of the original articles about it but nasa has apparently since deleted them but the kentucky anomaly is supposedly this this thing underneath the ground they don't know what it is but it's so magnetic or electromagnetic it's pulling down the electromagnetic field of earth closer to the earth than anywhere else on the planet and um you know kentucky is just a super weird place you know it's the home of mammoth cave which i had driven through before really knowing anything about it or we drove there and went inside got the last tour ticket um but yeah so that's the longest cave system in the world and there's all these weird stories written about it where it's a portal into you know some mystical place where there is a mother goddess there a venusian or Aphrodite-like goddess. Um, And in my opinion, that is what Babylon is. That's the thing that Downard was chasing around the country, leading him down the psychological labyrinth. Wow. Remarkable, yeah. It makes me think of the end of The Shining, too, the labyrinth at the end, you know. Mm -hmm. He he goes into the labyrinth, doesn't come back out. Um, Right, so there's other places, too. Like, you talk about Montauk. That's a huge kind of... thing within the kind of conspiracy uh, strange place paranormal uh, genres and i think that the stranger things was actually going to be based upon montauk i think that was his working title was montauk right yep can you talk about that yeah so um the montauk project was just super interesting to me because it found like I had always known about, I've known about it for a while, but like it came back into my awareness synchronistically, you know, as I'm studying the Orphic mysteries, um, the Dionysian mysteries, you know, this idea of the journey into the labyrinth or the underworld, you know, I was studying Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Well, I just, you know, I thought it was funny that the place where the Montauk project happened was, you know, Camp Hero. And I was like, oh, my God, they were literally creating portals into the collective unconscious there. Right. And that's why I'm obsessed with this idea of the new world disorder, because I think when you go into the abyss, you and and you become initiated, you become kind of a vessel for um, these egregores and thought forms. And um, this was literally the idea of the Montauk project, whether it was real or not, I have no idea, but it still served its purpose by inserting the egregore of the Montauk project in the collective unconscious anyways. But, um, but what the thing was supposedly all about was um, creating a portal into the psychic landscape of humanity and totally reshaping it. 
And um, that's, we can see that happening right now. And it's weird that um, this project supposedly created like this 40 year time loop um, between Montauk and the Philadelphia experiment. And it's going to repeat in 2023 this year. That's what uh, Christopher Knowles is saying. Um, I think that's, I think that's him. And, but it's just interesting because uh, Stranger Things is, you know, big right now. And uh, Satanic Panic is coming back around with all the Pizzagate stuff. Um, You know, we're kind of in a Cold War situation once again. It's just, you know, it seems like the loop is repeating, you know. And yeah, Stranger Things is the top, one of the top three things watched on Netflix, over a billion views. Well, there's nothing else good on there, so. Okay, (laughs) Um, but yeah, what did, didn't Stuart Swerdlow say that he was involved in the Montauk project? Isn't that his thing? I forgot. Uh, that might have been Philadelphia experiment. Okay, something. I thought he was involved in something over there. You might. But be I right. do. Re- I do remember Crowley saying he went out to Montauk. Yeah, so Crowley supposedly went there and opened the original portal. And well, he went there. I don't know if he wrote did the original. Portal, but he was definitely traveling. I remember seeing that in his biography. He went to Esopus Island too. Mm-hmm. Went to, went to northern think, New York. I think I think it was Go Rightly who wrote about um, Crowley, like doing some astral travel there or opening portals or something. And supposedly that's why there was already it was already fertile ground for the scientists of the Montauk Project. Um, and it's interesting because if you read the whole Montauk mythos, they talk about. Um, Aliens from Sirius gifting uh, the scientists with different kinds of mind control technology that essentially allowed them to um, amplify people's psychic powers. And that's how they were, that's how they were manifesting these portals. Like, so they would sit in this device called the chair and, you know, you know, you can kind of see the symbolism in stranger things, but they would just think about something like an apple and it would, you know, appear out of thin air, but eventually they started, um, you know, this is all allegedly, I don't necessarily really believe this, but they, um, they eventually were told to start thinking of the idea of a wormhole or a time tunnel. And that's how they started opening up these portals was they just were training them to be super psychic, um, manifestors or whatever. And, uh, an interesting, an interesting thing that's shown in stranger things is that some guy sits in the chair and he has like a, a demon in his subconscious mind named junior and uh, it comes through the portal and that's when they have to close the whole project down. Um, and yeah, that was like seemingly depicted in even the show South park. I don't know if you ever watched South park, but there's a whole three episode series called imagination land where they build a portal during the cold war into the human imagination. And this Bigfoot type creature, it's called man bear pig comes out of the freaking portal. Um, and it's created by a, Al Gore, who's freaking out about Man Bear Pig, <laughs> he, like he he inadvertently creates this thing and it you know terrorizes the laboratory after it comes through. But yeah, supposedly the junior creature from Montauk was like a Bigfoot type beast. Oh, I mean, it is interesting. It's the modern mythology making too, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's real or not, it's part of the part of the mystery, the liminal understanding. Here's you know the story has been told, but you're not. It's not a hundred percent confirmed. Right or somebody, and that's there's a lot of that stuff out there. I mean, Corey Good was involved in a lot of this, but you can see those thought forms bleed into the open charlatans like him, mm-hmm. um, who's admitted himself that he made it all up. But it is kind of uh, 
it's part of the new world disorder i would say yeah that, so the whole yeah. the whole thing is that like none of this stuff has to be true all that matters is that people believe it and it's kind of uh that idea of chaos magic you know the books are acting like sigils and we are inadvertently co-creating their insane reality yeah QAnon is a perfect example yep i yep. mean it doesn't have to be real they've just got some like bullet points jfk jr's around adrenochrome is being drunk there's a hundred thousand five hundred thousand kids have disappeared like it's it's impossible for five hundred thousand children i mean it's a terrible thing but Five thousand kids in the United States are not disappearing a year. I'm sorry, it's probably closer to a thousand or ten thousand or something like that. But yeah, these extreme things. And then, what is that doing to people's minds? It's yeah. a pure, pure example, either intentional or unintentional, of discordianism writ large. Right, and that's uh, Operation Mindfuck. That's what um, Robert Anton Wilson and Carrie Thornley. Um, we're trying to do they were trying to bombard people with so many different um narratives that uh contradicted each other that they believe that they would basically short circuit people's minds and have them reach enlightenment um by 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 breaking their brains and destroying you know the conceptual the conceptual right. thought it's, realm it's whatever. worked it's worked yeah, i yeah. have talked i've talked to two flat earthers and it is an interesting conversation to hear them rationalize the flat earth, but that's not what was the most interesting thing for me. It's that what else did they think about reality? They were so, they couldn't confirm that like the country of India existed and that a billion people live there. Like mm -hmm. they didn't believe anything. They were stripped bare. I mean, and that is something that I never thought. I mean, it's not, now I know that it's, it can happen. Like they literally can be stripped of their grasp on factual reality. Like, whoa. Yeah. And that was, that was actually scary. That was the goal of um, <clears throat> William S. Burroughs. You know, he thought by using chaos magic in the form of his cut up method, you know, cutting up newspapers and writing stories by pulling these clippings out of a hat, you know, he was letting chaos decide what his stories would be. But he thought that by doing that, he was um, dismantling language and, you know, his goal of this chaos magic operation, I guess, was to destroy consensus reality. He wanted to utterly destroy reality itself. And this is actually one of the goals of the Ophite Gnostics. They believe that the um, world is such an evil, bad place that the only logical conclusion is to start the apocalypse, destroy the world and free our souls from this prison. And, um, and that's literally that's that's discordianism as well you know like they right. are worshiping eris that's a, just the dark version of sophia right eris the golden apple of chaos right so that's why you yeah. say that see that around often mm -hmm. right so they did literally people intentionally do that there's pictures of genesis p orge with burrow like these guys are hanging out christopher what was his name peter christopherson who i studied in my uh, sfk documentary they they borrowed a lot from him put it into topi smiley face a lot of that stuff comes through burrows is my understanding mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. why that's why I, uh nirvana has a smiley face they did a show to, i mean kurt cobain knew about burrows he knew burrows. yeah yeah and they what did, they uh, did a problem together you know? and that band literally defined a whole nihilistic generation of kids you know no doubt and the very first nihilist was the first guy to really stare into the abyss and ironically nietzsche freaking he lost his mind. He said, you know, be careful not to 
fight with monsters unless you become one. And I think he was talking about, you know, going too deep down the rabbit hole, inviting the vampire and literally becoming that thing you fear the most. And, you know, he, he like went insane and was catatonic and he was writing letters to the Pope telling him he was the antichrist and he was Dionysus, right? He went, he did the Dionysian thing. He went into the underworld and he became that. <clears throat> and now his philosophies are used by accelerationists and transhumanists. You know, that's the whole idea of the Superman. So it's like, Right. These ideas are not actually from our own imaginations. I think that when you open your mind up to that abyss, you start to channel these things that these beings actually want insert into the zeitgeist. That's the disorder, right? Right, right. right. Yeah, Nietzsche still, I mean, you see his concepts and his, the Uber Uber mention in a different thought form, a conceptual thought form. Go all the way to what, Order of Nine Angles, all that stuff. They all go back to Nietzsche. So it's. It's kind of scary. Like you see, these thought forms are are out there, and they definitely have a viral quality in both yeah. meanings of the word, right? Yeah, like negative virus, like it's not good for you. Plus, it has the concepts are are spread around through the internet, other people. Yeah, I mean, Nirvana was amazing. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, I love Nirvana's like, music, yeah. but it's nihilistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just go through the, the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Really um. But yeah, I mean, you have a whole section on the smiley face uh, murders. You have all the the whole thing of the archetype of the smiling kind of. And you had a quote in there that I didn't see by Moore, who I've, I did do a lot of research into him. But you had a really interesting quote about his uh, in, uh, involvement of putting the smiley face into Watchmen, right? Yeah, it was essentially just about how it's a nihilistic symbol that, you know, it's a symbol of the comedian. It's the ability to laugh in the face of horrible atroc atrocities and you know, just not take them seriously. Life is the divine comedy type of um, paradigm, right? And um, yeah, I just don't believe that's a good way to operate through life. You know, <laughs> you want to talk about somebody channeling? He has like a uh, he has some kind of serpent god that he talks to. He was and he says he spends half of his time writing comics, half of his time doing magic. He's very he's like a high level magician of the highest order and all yeah. the stuff that he does is darkness yeah. and something uh, you brought up earlier was the order of the nine uh, angles and um i don't know if this is going to be too out there for people but like like i said you become kind of possessed you become kind of a channeler once you you know become privy to this to their to their um symbolic language right you know once you become initiated and um you know we're all kind of initiated at this point so you know it's just better to be careful and clean your mind daily, I guess. But um, one of the things that's interesting about the order of the nine angles is I was thinking maybe the fallen angels are the fallen angles because these people were literally, you know, trying to do rituals to like great old one type deities. And right. it's just interesting to me that like sacred geometry, right? It's like, like that's seemingly where the essence of these beings are encoded right in the symbols themselves. And it's almost like an informational life form, similar to like a meme, like, you know, a virus, like we were saying. Mm -hmm. And then we make well, them real them. by believing in yeah. them and then creating them in art and stuff. And then it affects the social reality, the way people behave and their ideas and et cetera. Yeah. The, the, uh, the order of nine angles actually promotes the deliberate possession of the individual by these entities. At night, you're supposed to go to certain constellations and openings and open a portal Jeez. and have the being come down and inhabit you 
and then it goes back to where it was supposed to later. Like when the interesting comes up. Yeah, that's literally in their things. Like I don't usually talk about that. I do not advocate that at all. So but did yeah, you get? Yeah, no, I would not advocate that either. But did you get to the section where I talk about how the smiley face seems to be kind of symbolic of Karanzan or the first stage of initiation? Um, so like, so we were talking about in the Montauk project, you know, Crowley was opening portals there. And then um, the scientists, you know, according to Peter Nichols and, or no, Peter Moon, sorry, um, and Preston Nichols, um, the aliens from Sirius came and gave them mind control tech, but they were living on Mars, which is interesting because there is a crater there that is in the shape of a smiley face, right? And um, yeah, so anyways, Karanzan, you know, you meet him in the abyss, according to Crowley, and um, this is part of his system called the Order of the Silver Star, which is literally the Order of Sirius. And um, <clears throat> It just seems like that when you encounter Karanzan in the abyss, probably like Nietzsche did, um, what it's supposed to do, its function is totally annihilating the ego and driving you insane through, you know, whatever. And um, if you hold on to your ego, you know, you go completely mad. But if you don't, you experience a peaceful ego death and you're spiritually reborn after you cross through the city of pyramids and unite with Babylon and blah, 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 blah. But I think that idea is very interesting because that to me just sounds like fracturing the psyche and mind controlling someone. And we were talking about how, you know, after the smiley face was really popularized, it was used by like Genesis P orage um, in rave culture, right? Where people are literally just taking drugs and listening to crazy music and, you know, in a dark room with flashing lights, you know, like. Right. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, uh, the smiley face is a symbol permeates a lot of these occultists because the order of nine angles uses it too it's just mm -hmm. kind of a secret thing within them but there's a lot of people using it and it's pervaded the whole culture now it's in it's in uh literature it's in palniuk it's in fight club it's in um all kinds of clothing lines now it's just crazy like mm -hmm. justin bieber's clothing line yeah so that concept of Smiling through tragedy and things like that. That's that's definitely what it means. It means more. It actually means the birth of magic and death of the old order, too. That occult, deeper occult meaning has mm. that. So you're supposed to smile at this new created, uh, magical created, created world. So yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it gets dark. Yeah, it gets very dark. I mean, and you also, I mean, you cover some other stuff. You cover Laurel Canyon, CIA, you cover. Shaver mystery. I mean, there's a lot in this book, a lot of research. I mean, you have 11 full chapters on stuff. I mean, and we're at the 40 minute mark. When do you think that this book will be published? Um, as soon as possible. It just, <laughs> I mean, you, you read through it. You can see how it kind of descends into madness at the end, but I'm trying to just cut all that back and, you know, wrap it up as soon as possible. I've also, I'm just going to be honest. I've been getting weird, like, just resistance, I feel like, as it's getting closer to being published. So that's kind of like just um, made it tougher. But, you know, I still plan on doing it regardless. I'm just trying to be strategic about it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to release this thing as soon as possible. I mean, you've seen it. It's basically finished. So, Right. It's definitely a lot of information on there. I mean, another person I would put into the uh, Lavenda 
environment is Jordan Maxwell. You talk about him a lot too. So yeah, I mean, he thought he was uh, chosen by aliens from Sirius once again. You know, yes, so there he is. Yeah, just recently passed away, but he was promoting a lot of stuff, Blavatsky, things like that, mm-hmm. which uh, to me is no good. I mean, so you're going to put it out? Where's and where are you going to just sell it through your own social media? Yeah, so right now I'm taking pre-orders through DMs, um, but once it's like actually finished and um, in ebook format, like I'll still probably sell the physicals through myself. But once the ebook is available, like it'll be up on my Ko-Fi link right away. Right on. So people can get it soon. And then, is there anything you'd like to add? I mean, is there anything I missed? I mean, there's a lot of other. There's. A, I mean, we could probably do a three-hour show. There's so yeah, much no, information. There's not, there's not really another idea I could explain quickly. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So people look forward to this book. I mean, I think it's very timely and it goes into this disorder, this kind of mythology, this kind of liminal uh, twilight reality we're in where people are talking about things like that are real, but aren't real and promoted yeah. as real. So, yeah, I mean, they're, the, they're breaking uh, reality the- invaders is a very apt term, I think. Oh, thank you. So, but yeah, I'll just say this, like, it seems as if they are breaking the fourth wall, you know, in a metaphorical and literal way with these fictional beings that are beginning to manifest in our world in the form of UFOs, cryptids, whatever. Um, And they've always been around, but I think that as the world continues to get stranger and stranger, as it always has, we'll see a pickup in this and we'll see also see more and more people going crazy and this is kind of like a manual to navigate through that you know because i i was there i was there yeah no i've been there too i've been i've been in that way like it does change your grip on kind of what what consensus reality was and what it was it was a lot easier to kind of figure things out back in the day i think it was exacerbated by mass communication too so people before listen to these stories like it's about it's like sitting down and listening to a thousand ghost stories in front of a fireplace that used to happen pre-internet. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you get freaked out by one. There's a place <laughs> in Kentucky, but now it's like you're taking it through a you know uh, the hose of a fireman's hose. So right. But so. before we get off, like, how did you get out of Chapel Perilous? If you don't mind me asking. I think for me it was. Uh, I was always a Christian, so it's, I think it was for me. I had that kind of grounding where it didn't just mean a whole bunch of nothing. It was like grounded in a fact of like end of times book revelation. Yeah. Um, the chaos, this kind of ending chaos time, which we're in and this here chaos. You can see it played out in these people who want to get rid of their gender. Women think they're men. They literally are thinking they're men. It's all part of this whole environment. And I think it's, I think like the picture of title or the picture of your book, this kind of, uh, black octopus you know the yeah, yeah. In the background is, is like it because it's like a black octo- octopus like going into people's minds and 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 reading their invading their reality in a negative way so i, I would yeah. say for me my faith has kind of kept me relatively sane yeah, but yeah. i also like was parsing through like the bible tells you to test the spirits i also test the personalities like is this person really trying to leave me edified or not and so for me, yeah. like it's like, I'm not trying to go down the occult route. I'm not trying to be an occult leader or something like that. I still have my, my faith. So some of these people I put Twyman in there with uh, Jordan Peterson or Lavenda, where they are occultists. I mean, 
God, yeah. if, uh, whatever happened to Twyman, I, you know, I don't wish any ill will, but she was really kind of on her on a cult journey. She was like much, yeah. So, um, but I'm pretty I mean, sure she dedicated her last book to Jesus to try and right her wrongs, which is, you know, maybe it was too late to back out of whatever she was part of. Um, and then she, you know, had too many people around her that were like, no, you can't tell what we're about. You know, I think she got in too deep and couldn't really escape. But you know, I hope her soul was saved in the end because, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I see myself getting out of this too is like um you know i i think i want to take a break and just get closer to god then maybe i'll return but it's it's hard to focus fully on god um when you're trying to understand all this nonsense but i think it's relevant for the people that are going to get stuck in there because it's not right. going to stop you know yeah it's not it's kind of like a hall of mirrors Exactly. So it's almost like it is there. Like, can you get out of just thinking about this all the time? Like, it is, there is a perilous element to it. It can drive you crazy. It can just take you down a, a cul-de-sac that you can't get out of. So it's, it is, there is a, it's a really vortex. element of, con yeah. Yeah, it's like a vortex. There's no question about it. But that's where we are. So whether yeah. you like it or not, like you're going to have other purveyors of uh, deceivers and, uh, phonies and things like that i mean i feel look at all these people who fell for this guy good you know people believed him spent money on oh, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. money. so you got to be you know i got to be careful about who's trying to tell you the truth but uh it's great to talk with you again nick good luck on the uh publication of the book the title again is the new world order new world disorder and the totalitarian takeover of the reality invaders should be out within the next couple of weeks right yes and then people can contact you through, you're on Twitter, right? You're pretty much on Twitter often. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N. -N -N. Gotcha, cool. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me again. All right, cool.